If you set out to be good at something, and certainly when I set out to be good at something, I need to not compete against other people. I need to get the gold medal for myself. It's for me. It's not to impress anybody. I do it to get better. I do it because I have a lot of respect for me. And I have a lot of virtues and uh, morality in how do I become the best and be authentic to myself. Welcome to The Bold Brush Show where we believe that fortune favors the bold, brush. My name is Laura Engel bayer and I'm your host. For those of you who are new to the podcast, we are a podcast that covers art marketing techniques and all sorts of business tips, specifically to help artists learn to better sell their work. We interview artists at all stages of their careers, as well as others who are in careers tied to the art world in order to hear their advice and insights. On this episode, we sat down with Nancy Franz Boz, a modern Renaissance painter with a deep-seated passion for the arts in all its forms, whether it's painting, poetry, acting. These are all of Nancy's favorite things. She tells us all about her eclectic style and how that has influenced her fascinating trajectory in life, as well as her paintings, how she never gave up and worked her butt off to get to where she's always wanted to be and continues to grow, and how she truly believes anyone can do it too, so long as they have the strength, discipline, and love for the craft. She also gives us some great tips on time management, galleries and social media, as well as finding your voice. Finally, she tells us about her upcoming shows and her online mentorship. Hey, welcome Nancy to the Bold Brush Show. How are you today? I'm great, how are you? I'm really excited to have you. I'm really good um, because you, uh, you have quite an interesting history in how you studied and where you went. And uh, we were just discussing this before recording. We were telling me how uh, you specifically were looking for the instructors that you wanted, which I think is something that not a lot of people think about, but it's so important. Um, but before we discuss that, do you mind telling us a bit about who you are and what you do? Um, I always say modern renaissance painter, and, and I say that because people, uh, you know, they have all these tags, and I said, what could I uh, come up with that kind of would be my tag? So people would say, well, what's your style? I would say that I have a very eclectic uh, style. If you go into my clothing closet or you listen to the music that I have in my playlist, um, I have a very broad uh, um like of different styles and genres, uh, meaning that uh, I don't, I'm not set to one way to do anything. Uh, I like a little rock and roll. I like the crooners. I like 1920s silent film. I love classical literature, but then I like some, a lot of the film noir from the 40s, the music from that period, which was classical. But then I listen to heavy metal and alternative. My uh, thing, my husband loves the 70s. The music in the 70s was good. I like it. I, I like the whole, the way things came around. Art kind of made a big change then. There wasn't any realism. But I, my background was modern. And then I said, but I like classical. My grandmother was a classical pianist. My mother sang blues and jazz. So I kind of have everything infused into my, let's say, library of what I like and what I don't like. And uh, I think my painting has that same style. Uh, it classically trained, yes, but I try to keep it in the contemporary world. It could be a moment in time from when I was younger, but I still kind of make it seem like it's contemporary. 
But it all depends on the subject matter. I don't like to be pigeonholed into one thing. I like to constantly change. You know, I get bored of everything. So, <laughs> so that's what I would say. Modern Renaissance painter is a uh, kind of a. Uh, Fusing classical with contemporary realism. Somebody else worded it differently. I actually like the way they worded it better, but uh, I can't remember that right now. <laughs> so, um, but I would say it's a combination of both. It's it's eclectic. I can, uh, you know, one day I'm painting the flower children, and tomorrow I can be painting, you know, something from film noir. And I like Edward Hopper. I like a lot of different people. If it's good. And it resonates with me. It has visual impact or uh, musically, like I said, wow, I love the melody in that. It doesn't matter what time it came from. It doesn't matter the style. You like it, you like it. And, and so I'm not stuck just liking only one thing. So I hope that I can keep evolving and changing. I don't think I uh, will ever reach my peak because I'm constantly looking and searching to change things and uh, become better. I, I don't think that I'm the top. I, I think when you think you're the best and that you're a star and a celebrity, that's when you stop growing. And I think that's when you get stagnant. So I think we should all be, you know, have a little humility and uh, keep growing that way. Absolutely. That's such a wonderful point to make because I think, you know, as you said, you know, it's you don't and a true artist should never really reach their peak, so to speak. And if, if you reach your peak, that means that you probably passed away before you could continue growing. You know, growth, I think, is like the the real key to success, both personally, which I think personal success is much more important than, you know, outward social success. Um, and it just, you know, it's a gift that keeps on giving, which is wonderful, too. Um, so in terms of your background. I'm really curious to know when you decided, okay, I'm going to be an artist. When I was five. Nice. <laughs> Me too, actually. <laughs> yeah, when I was five years old, I remember watching a film. Uh, I think my mom had it on. Uh, she would always watch, you know, a lot of the classic films. Uh, that's why I like the film noir and stuff. She would always have one of those on and I remember seeing Elizabeth Taylor and Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, um, watching Elvis Presley, you know, in his thing. So Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. And I would sit there and I see, Mommy, I know what I want to be when I grow up. So first time around, my real passion is acting. I absolutely love acting and I wanted to be an actress. And uh, I always get upset that, you know, I kind of went into that realm, but I didn't say yes to like you know, a few things came my way and I didn't say yes to it because my parents were like no you can't do that oh no don't be an actress people that get into acting uh, well the producer and directors only want you because they want one thing and that's the way like I think the old school uh and I come from an Italian background they're very old-fashioned and so uh you know they always put this negative uh spin on stuff but I think a lot of families. I think a lot of the, that from that time period, they all did that with their kids. So I'm not, you know, I'm not just one. And, you know, what you have to do is get over that because that can cripple you. And, and it did for a long time because I said, I want to be an actress, a dancer. I love Red Astaire. And if I can't do that, I also love painting and writing. 
So they, uh, you know, they were so negative about it. And when I was nine years old, I was really depressed about it. But I would always go into drama classes and I would get plays after school. I would go into the library, stack up books of plays and say, oh, I could play that part. I could play this part. And my mother would look at me and say, what are you doing? And I would stay in my bedroom. I would come up with these costumes. And when they would go out, I would come into my living room with a costume on. I already knew all the lines. And I would bow and make believe I was on a stage. And, and so most of the work that you see in my art today comes from that background. So a lot of my friends that are actors, they went, you missed your call. You should have done that. I'm like, yeah, they, they wouldn't let me go to the high school of performing arts, which I actually taught it years later. But I feel so close to film, and that is the thing that inspires me to tell a story. I started writing stories when I was nine, and I think film and special effects major, you know, when I went to art school, because they said, don't tell me you're going to be a painter now. You're going to give up your job and be a painter. And I was about 35 years old, and I had a great job uh, in travel, American Express Travel, and I was just miserable. I was so depressed all through my 20s. You know, I competed in gymnastics because it was almost like being on the stage, you know, uh, and I did really well with that. But, you know, you can only go so far when you hit 21. That's it. That career is over. Got into dance, went into the dance competitions with Ballroom. So there, there was that drive to always be in the arts, whether it was acting, dancing, writing, painting. It's all transferable. It's all related to each other. That's who we are. That's what artists are with to ourselves. Am I introverted or extroverted? I'm both. I was kind of shy when I was a kid, believe it or not. My, my mom said, this kid, she's too nice. I got to teach you how to box because everyone's going to beat you up. Because I was like always lending my things and giving things away. I'm still like that. But at one point, you do have to learn how to, you know, you reach a certain age, you have to draw the line and you have to stand up for yourself. So finally, when I was 35, I walked into School of Visual Arts and I said, I would like to finish my degree. I was a phys ed major, sports medicine minor first time around at Brooklyn College. And how do I get into school? And they said, well, portfolio review is in um, three, four months. Do you have a portfolio? I said, no, how do I get one? They looked at me. They said, do you draw and paint? I said, yeah, I have sketchbooks and doodles in my sketchbook and little charcoal drawings and paintings. Can I use those? And they went, no, you have to have life drawing. I said, can you recommend two classes? My company will pay for it if I say I'm a graphic design major. And they did. And I got in and I just worked my butt off. Like in the morning when I was taking the train to work, I was drawing. Uh, on lunch hour, I didn't take lunch. I was drawing. On the weekends, I had a boyfriend that kept asking me to go out. I said, you know what? I think we need to break up because I have a mission and a goal. And there's no way I'm going to let any more time go by. I'm finally going to do this. I don't care what anybody says. So I could say to anybody out there, don't listen to the chatter around you. You have to have the courage. The fear is false evidence appearing real. You have to have the courage to stand up for yourself and believe in yourself. And Believe that you can be successful. We can all be successful, right? We just have to try and not be afraid. Absolutely. Oh my God. Yes. I love that. That is so inspiring. You know, I did it. I got in in three months. I got in, never took a drawing class, and I worked my butt off for two years. I worked full time, went to school at night. 
you know, I always say I'm way behind, like my friend Alex Tang, a lot of uh, my friends, uh, you know, that have been doing it way longer than me. I say I felt like I needed to catch up because I wasn't supposed to do it when I was younger because nobody thought I should do it. And so I let that fear cripple me till my mid thirties, or I would have been doing it when I was younger. Lesson learned, right? Absolutely. Hard lesson. Like I wish now I was twenty years younger. That would be great. I would have yeah. more energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know that's one of the the main things. It's like, oh, like how how did I do it back then? You know, how was I able to to have so much energy for everything? Um, but I like that you know. Obviously, you can't turn back the clock, but there's no regrets. You you are doing amazing, and your work is beautiful. So it really pays off. Thank, thank, thank you so much for saying that. I always, I never forget where I come from. You know, I come from a middle class family. Nothing was given to me. I'm still paying off my fifty five thousand dollar student loan. Quit my job at American Express, and I went to music and art, and uh, I taught architecture. I, I never, I didn't know anything about architecture. I read the book, I got in, but it was steady income. But there was a teacher there that said to me, what are you doing in the theater department? He said, what are you doing here? You, you should go on auditions because you're ready. You should have been an actress, but your paintings are really good. They kind of remind me of the theater or film. I said, yeah, it's the desire to tell a story, you know? So lesson is don't ever give up. You have to hang in there. You have to figure out a way to make money. I quit the teaching job. Everybody thought I was crazy. They said, oh, she's nuts. She was always nuts. I didn't listen to them this time. You know, I moved into the city and I worked three jobs for a long time up until 11 years ago. When I met my uh, husband, uh, my second husband, Tim, he said to me in 2017, I had this big portrait commission and that's what I was doing to make money besides being a freelance makeup artist at Bergdorf for Laura Mercier. I was able to supplement my income, but I couldn't paint every day. Three, four days a week, I was working eight hour days. And then the, uh, all my days up, I was working seven days a week all the time. I had to put the 30 hours a week in. I had three days to do it. I'm in the studio for 10 hours. That's it. And uh, 11 years ago when I quit, a friend of mine said, when are you going? She's an entrepreneur. She said, you need to stop now and just go for it. I said, okay, I'll do portrait commissions all the time. And my husband uh, said to me, we had just met. He said, why are you doing this? You don't seem like you like doing it. I said, you know what? I love doing portraits, but I don't like being, uh, I felt like it was too in the box for my temperament. I have friends of mine that are amazing commission portrait painters and they love it and they do quite well. So I think you have to figure out what is your temperament and that takes a while and then go in that direction. Now, painting your own things is like um, a musician not playing classical music and copying Mozart or uh, uh, a musician that is a session musician that's playing other people's work or a singer that's a backup singer that's not singer songwriter singing their own stuff that's the hardest thing to do it's so hard to figure out what your voice is and how do you write your story not easy yeah and so you have to figure out how do you get up every day 
and be inspired. You and know, so for me, that's it. Yeah, that's actually, it's so funny that you say that because I was literally, you know, earlier I was in the shower and I was thinking about inspiration. So it's so funny that you bring it up. It's like it, inspiration really is the thing that starts motivation. You know, everyone always complains, oh, I'm not motivated enough to do something. It's like, well, maybe you're not inspired enough. That's like the, the ignition, you know, to really get motivated, um, which it seems like you definitely, you said, you know what, this is it. I'm tired of everyone saying I can't, I can't, I can't. I decide and I love that you compare it too to being, a, you know, like a background singer, right? You want to be the lead of your life. You want to be the lead of your creations and your work. You don't want to be in the background. It's your life, right? So I love that you just went for it. It's, it's very difficult because, uh, you know, as a painter, you're alone a lot. It's like writing and I do write and you have to be alone you can't have any distractions around you. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people around like where I live now. They're not from Manhattan and they want to go out all the time. They want to listen to music. It's a big music venue down here. And you know what? I did that when I was younger. Like all the years I wasn't doing art. Damn, I was a party girl. I was out on Bleecker Street in Manhattan all the time. My friends were in bands. My friends' brothers were in bands. I was going to acting classes. I had free airline tickets with American Express, traveled all over, skiing, went to Europe, went, went everywhere. That's how, and, and you know, I had an income coming in and it was free. So I did it. So I would say up until I went to art school, I had an amazing, you know, anything that you would want to do in your life. I just said, oh, I could do that. And I did it. So I really partied the butt off. You know, and then I said, okay, time to buckle down because now when you're in your 30s, you say, you got to buckle down. What is it you really want to do that's going to make you excited about waking up every day? Some people have a job, they love it, but some people are just doing it for a check. And that's a miserable place to be. I was in that place. No way. I'm not revisiting Dante's Inferno, <laughs> going back to hell. <laughs> I got it out. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that. Oh my God. And this uh to make money. Yep. No. Yeah. I mean, right. if you're gonna be making money, you might as well do it something that isn't making you hate your life all the time, you know. Um yeah. and and speaking of your work, actually, I'm really curious to know because um I was looking at your work and it's absolutely beautiful. It's as eclectic as you, of course. You know, you got a little bit of everything on your website. You got your portraits, you got your animals, you got landscapes. Um, and in your portraits specifically, I absolutely love that they're they have this vibe, you know, of like the expression of of the human condition, but also, you know it feels like that person in the painting, you know, they're actually there and they want to tell you something, you know, they're like trying to express something. Um, do you have a specific painting currently? Cause I know this can change, but do you have a specific painting that you're particularly proud of or fond of? <laughs> That's a loaded question. <laughs> uh, they're all, they're all my children. So I love them all. Uh, I think they're all a lot of, uh, my re my series that I just uh, came out of that was in Dasha, the solo show that uh, is up until November 18th, it's called Bohemian Spirits. And uh, if you define a, a Bohemian, definitely me. 
I don't want to be tied down. I didn't get married too late. Uh, nothing wrong with having children. That just, when I was 10, I said, I'm having zero. I want to be an artist. That was it. I was set on, that's what I want to do. And uh, I don't know how women that have children, I really applaud them. And then they could still paint and do really well. I, I, I'm astounded by, by that. But I would say that when I found my voice, it was uh, things that I remembered when I was really young. Uh, and it was during COVID. I was so darn depressed. And we all were because now we're in a solitary confinement. Not that we weren't already as artists, we're, we're in our studio, we're chained to the studio. So you always feel alone, you know? And uh, I started thinking about when I was young and um, I had uh, a model, Allie, uh, who lives right near me. She was recommended by a friend of mine that actually was in one of my paintings called Out of Eden. Uh, she's also a painter. She doesn't do like our style. But uh, her name's Brittany, but she has her own uh, voice, and they have this little gallery in Asbury Park, and she recommended a few models. And Allie came with her uh, boyfriend, who's now her fiance, Nick, and I said, oh my God, they're going to be great as Paolo and Francesca, the lovers. So that was the first painting I did of them, and it got into the first round of figurativas at the meme. And I said, okay, you know, the classical literature, I love Dante's Inferno. Uh, but then I had this idea of uh, John Lennon's Imagine because we couldn't go out. And he said, you know, I really wish when I was a little kid, I wish we could go back to that time. You know, imagine all the people and uh, all you need is love and all of that. And I just remembered moments of when I was a kid and my friends were 10 years older than me. So they would tell me these uh, stories. I always hung out with older people. And they would tell me these amazing stories. And I started to research it. And I said, oh, I remember when Vivian told me this story or Joe told me that story. And uh, and I looked at all the musicians and the music and the lyric and the album covers. And so I wanted to be part of that. And I felt so passionate about it. I think um, if you go into paint and you're copying what you think is going to sell, that's not real. That's not passionate. You just copycat. You might as well copy a painting, you know, an old master painting or a song or whatever. You have to be inspired by your own story and who you are. What is your identity? My identity definitely is no matter who it is, no matter what type of money you are. I'm the middle class girl. I never think I'm a rich person. I don't try to do the designer thing and be fake. That's fake. Because that's not who you are, unless you come from that background. But even if you had all that money, why would you show, uh, you know, designer stuff? And oh, look, I'm part of it. It's fake. Be who you are. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter what you wear. Be real to what you want to say to the world. Now, some people uh, will say, well, you know, a social commentary. Or do you paint older people? Uh, yeah, I do. My friends are all different ethnic groups. Before I went into Bohemian's first, I was always uh, painting that. My friend Clifton King, he's a Black Jew from Crown Heights. He's much older than me, but he's an actor, director, writer, and it won the Len G. Everett Memorial Award at Allied Artists before Black Lives Matter. So I was doing that already. But this story just kind of resonated with the flower children, and that is the thing that started me out, that... 
I felt inspired by and have been painting that type of painting until I hit my solo show. And I would say my favorite, circling back to what you asked me, what is the my favorite one out of all of them? That's so horrid because uh, I loved Ode to a Flower Child. Uh, I loved Emergence, you know, the story of spring. Um, but right now, my recent work, I would say the one that's called Whispering Echoes, The Return of Juliet, which kind of dovetails into the 19th century and classical literature, which I am wild about, and dark academia. Um, so I would say right now, that one, it's a tie between that one and a little girl, my friend's niece that I painted, called Guinevere, and she's Guinevere. Um, I don't know. Alone, I love the painting, and all I love that I, I've loved alone based on Edgar Allan Poe. So I think it's all the stuff going into the Edgar Allan Poe right now. I'm very excited about it. I'm very well read. I do have poetry. My book's coming out in another year that's tied to the paintings uh, from Bohemian's Rift. So I would say those would be my three. I can't pick one. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. And uh, I love that you're also, you know, it's you're not just eclectic in your work, but you're also eclectic in how you express, you know, yourself, right? You've got your poetry, you've got your clothing, you've got your paintings, you've got everything. I feel like it's so exciting and wonderful to, you know, it's almost like, kind of reminds me of, you know, like the the Oscar Wilde sort of like, I like floating around and and also, you know, trying to paint, but also trying to express myself through writing. It's very inspiring to have so much, I guess, gosh, it's like a cloud of of, of inspiration that you want to spread into, you know, all of these different arts. I, I think all of, uh, you know, I, I guess I was the only nine or 10 year old that would be in my room and my mom would say, what are you doing in there? And I would have this, um, this thing that she gave me, which was like a catalog thing that circled and you pick the different categories. And I was always picking theater, uh, film, mythology, uh, you know, studied Arthurian literature, mm. uh, Tennyson, James Joyce, I, I, drama and society was one of the classes I took in uh, school of visualized, a lot of lit classes. I have about 18 credits in literature. And my friends would say, God, why are you taking those classes? That's heavy stuff. Like those are hard. Shakespeare is a hard read. I said, oh my God, but look at the writing and there wasn't film back then. How did they do that? Theater in the round, you know, Shakespeare. People uh, went around and they watched the people with the costume. Probably if I lived back then, I'd want to be one of those actresses doing that, you know? I just absolutely love a story. I love the old way they did film. Yes, I did special effects with 3D, but I like the old way. I thought it was more inventive. They had to figure out, like Hitchcock, how do you shoot that? How do you get the audience to feel that? And I think that love first is why I think of what you're talking about, like emotive art. I would say modern renaissance, but it's emotive art. I want you to feel my character. I want them all to be different. I want them, they're all different. It's a role, right? But the role is really me yeah. being the actress, like the little kid that was nine years old that's rehearsing and being on the stage. They're all me. They're all self-portraits of things that I love and that I've read. And how do I express that, make people feel that? 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think it definitely shows through in your work, which again, beautiful, beautiful. Hey, thanks for saying that. That means a lot to me. Of course. At Bold Brush, we inspire artists to inspire the world because creating art creates magic. And the world is currently in desperate need of magic. Bold Brush provides artists with free art marketing, creativity, and business ideas and information. This show is an example. We also offer written resources, articles, and a free monthly art contest open to all visual artists. We believe that fortune favors the bold brush. And if you believe that too, sign up completely free at boldbrushshow.com. That's B-O-L-D-B-R-U-S-H show.com. The Bold Brush Show is sponsored by Basso. Now more than ever, it's crucial to have a website when you're an artist, especially if you want to be a professional in your career. Thankfully, with our special link, faso.com forward slash podcast, you can make that come true and also get over 50% off your first year on your artist website. Yes, that's basically the price of 12 lattes in one year, which I think is a really great deal considering that you get sleek and beautiful website templates that are also mobile friendly, e-commerce, print on demand in certain countries, as well as access to our marketing center that has our brand new art marketing calendar. And the art marketing calendar is something that you won't get with our competitor. The art marketing calendar gives you day-by-day, step-by-step guides on what you should be doing today, right now, in order to get your artwork out there and seen by the right eyes so that you can make more sales this year. So if you want to change your life and actually meet your sales goal this year, then start now by going to our special link, faso.com forward slash podcast. That's F-A-S-O dot com forward slash podcast. Um, and then the other part that I find fascinating, because you and I have actually been corresponding for a while, because uh, I've been trying to get you on the podcast, but you're such a busy woman um, that it, I feel very lucky to have you, first of all. So again, thank you for being uh, here. You're not lucky. It's you know, timing. <laughs> it is timing, yeah. <laughs> but um, I wanted to know, how how are you able to manage your time You know, when you're working through all of these amazing projects and you've got so much going on? How do you time manage? That's a, another loaded question. <laughs> You're firing away the bombs. <laughs> yeah. um, time management, I think I get uh, from, I'm going to go back to gymnastics. Uh, back in my day, uh, I competed for seven years. And, uh, you know, you went to school during the day. I was 14 years old when I started. Uh, you went to school and, um, you know, my coach me and this girl, Debbie, we were like the best ones on the team. And I think it was the desire that, you know, I was a good athlete, but the desire, like, you know, I'm doing a routine, people are watching me on the stage. It was so important to me because they wouldn't let me go to acting school or performing lessons that I needed to fulfill that. After school, we always had practice. So I was all around. I was on floor, which was my best balance beam, bars, and vaulting. And you had to learn the routine after school. Uh, The meets, the competitive meets started in February. So in September or over the summer, you never had a day off. Zero. You didn't have time because you had to learn the routine. The judge would say, this is the routine you need to follow. And you had to do it perfectly the way the judge wrote it. So think of a role, the way the director writes it and tells you you have to act it, you must do it that way. But then we had optional routines, your own 
body of work as an artist, right? Now you're not working for somebody doing a commission that tells you how to direct it. They're directing you. Now you're directing yourself. So the optional routine I did all around as well. And so now I had four routines to learn, had, you know, a vault, choice of a vault, and four routines to create, pick my music, pick the whole routine, which was about, oh, about a minute long. And I had uh, six months to learn it during school. And I did it. And I think when you train like that, when you're a kid, you're on a diet, you have to wake up, you have to eat well, you have to have the energy, you have to produce it. You have to do it. Do or die, it's do or die. Your butt is on the line. And and every February, I was all excited. I never felt I was ready enough. It's like a solo show. I don't think I'm ready enough. It's not perfect enough. But at one point, you have to let it go because maybe other people might not notice it. And you're being judged, you know, in front of a lot of people, in front of two judges. I think that training for seven years, then working on Wall Street and all the corporate background, working with my mom, she had a skincare center, all of that, I had to do it. I always had to work. I did not, I don't have a lot of money. I had to figure out how to do it. And if you're not working, you're not in the game. Period, end of story. You figure it out. So when I do art, I say I have a to-do list on my phone, or sometimes I write it on a calendar with stickies, and I say I have, like the solo show, I have 10 months to do that. I need to execute one painting a month to be on time. I'm not going to compromise my quality. It's do or die. I, I have to be the gymnast, right, that does it well and I feel inspired by it, I have to come up with the idea. I have to do the photo shoot. Uh, this is not painting from life. This is like you have to execute. But then I have to do the business. I have to do the social media. So how I usually plan it is early in the morning or before I go to bed at night. Before I go to bed at night, I'm editing. Early in the morning, I'm posting. Before I start painting, I'm already, I say, on Sunday, that's going to be my day to record stuff. Every day that I'm painting, I have my little phone, I'm all set up, and I'm recording myself. It may be good footage, it may not be, but you try it out, I dump it on my hard drive so I could see it, uh, you know, better. And at night before I go to bed, I save a lot of drafts that I know I'm going to post a week later. Or I take older paintings, and then I revamp them and... Uh, you know, not the same type, not the same anything, because Instagram will definitely penalize you for that. So that's how I do it. I pick one day a week that I could do that. But I have the camera on, I would say, four days a week. I need a break sometimes from the camera, because when you have a camera on, you are not focused on your work. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people have said, how do you do that? I'm like, I don't have it on all the time. I'll pick one day where I'm doing a couple of segments, painting hair, painting texture, painting a pattern. That's it. The, the videos are only 11 seconds. Instagram doesn't like their reels longer than seven to 11 seconds. And I have one coming up that's only four seconds. So people don't, you know, they want immediate gratification or they're going to zap you off the channel. So you do it that way. And that leaves you more time. I allow myself eight hours a day to paint. So I'm working like at least 
sometimes in the eight hours, maybe I have an hour or two of uh, social media when I'm drinking coffee in the morning, I'm doing it. And I just put myself on a schedule. If I miss the schedule, I double up the next day. I uh, If I have to get work out, we all can paint from life and have a model from life that's all well and good, great. But if you're trying to sell work in a gallery, it's not about that. It's about execution and making the show. You know, you don't have all the time in the world. And so I do very detailed things. So what works for me is I do drawings, value drawings. I work out the design. I do it in Photoshop. Uh, I then draw. I have a sketchbook of all my drawings, of all the paintings that I've done. And what I do is I wait, you know, like four or five days sometimes I'm sketching. If I nail the drawing, I then go to Kinko's. If it's a big painting, I go to Kinko's, I print it out, I put oil on the back, I oil transfer it, and now I'm ready to paint. If I do it from scratch, it's going to maybe cost me a day or two of time because, oh, I got that wrong, got this wrong. I don't have time to do that. I need to just do it. So it's like you're almost like, you know, you're, you're setting yourself up for a job. Your boss tells you today you have to get this done. Do or die. So you figure out how to do it. Now that I'm not on that deadline schedule till March, I have another solo show coming up. So now I'm doing this and I'm doing it from scratch, you know, and I'll post my video of it. And now I'll do my little color studies that are like doing it from life. If I don't have a model, I like to do it like I'm doing it from life. You know, so now I have time like, yeah, yeah, I could go back to that. I'm not on this deadline. There's no deadline day. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's a lot of discipline. You know, that's like, it's very admirable. And I I love that, you know, like you said earlier, your skills from all of these things that you've experienced in the past, they're all transferable, um, which is something that, you know, I think a lot of people don't really, I guess they don't see from the outside, but you living your life, obviously, you're like, oh, I done this before i've made myself you know train for hours a day and and now i can just do the same with my paintings which that's really awesome to maintain that routine maintain that you know i know what i'm doing today and i i can expect this from myself you know you know um i listen to a lot of podcasts and i listen to a lot of people in in fine art and uh some are very very disciplined and uh, a lot of them need to find motivation to paint. You know, I have friends, well, this painting is selling, uh, you know, for this amount and, and it's, you know, not that good. So why should I bother? You should always bother yeah. because, you know, it's the same thing as if you set out to be good at something. And certainly when I set out to be good at something, I need to not compete against other people. I need to get the gold medal for myself. It's for me. It's not to impress anybody. I do it to get better. I do it because I have a lot of respect for me. And I have a lot of virtues and uh, morality in how do I become the best and be authentic to myself? Don't you think an Olympic athlete does that? Do you think they need to be, do you think Simone Biles needs to be motivated? No. She's got a goal in mind. I want to be good at that. And whatever it takes, even if I have bad days, even if I fail, failure is good. It's a learning lesson, right? She does it. She had a bad uh, situation, the twisties. And I know what the twisties are because I got them a few times. Scary thing because you can't figure out where you are. 
and she came back and look how good she's doing. That takes a lot of courage and discipline. And your psychology is the biggest thing. It's how you see yourself when you wake up in the morning. And it's the same with actors. They get a role. They don't give up. There was a guy, uh, Jim Caviezel, The Thin Red Line. I'll never forget the interview. He said, I was sleeping in my car. I was so broke. He didn't give up. He got the movie Thin Red Line. Bang. That made him. You just don't know. You don't give up. There's so many actors out there that are good. There's so many musicians that are good. You don't quit. Anybody could quit. quit quitting is for losers. That's what I always say. You got to be a winner. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to believe that you're a winner. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You're a winner to yourself. So. Yes. Oh, my God. You're making me like so motivated right now. I love it. <laughs> I should like have like a message from you every morning, like saying like, you got this today. <laughs> art is a sport. Treat it, it like that. You're yes. competing in the Olympics and you have to be ready. Whether you sell or not, that gallery didn't sell your work. You take it out after a couple of years and it sells somewhere else. It's happened to me a lot. You don't quit. You keep going. You don't focus on that. It's like it's done. It's gone. Goodbye. I'm moving. I'm doing it. At all costs. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, saying. yeah. And, and you know, that makes that that's a very good point. You know, life keeps going. I mean, life doesn't have a pause button. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's good to take breaks every so often if you really need it um, to prevent burnout so you can keep going. Um, but definitely the love of doing what you love is, you know, the best fuel you can have. You just, uh, yeah, you, you just keep going. There's no pause button. <laughs> I love that. Um, and speaking of, because I've interviewed a lot of artists, you know, in both sides of, I work with galleries, I love galleries, and other artists were like, you know, I used to work with galleries, but it turns out, you know, I work better when I'm on my own. And of course, there's pros and cons, right? So in the podcast, I like to get, you know, all the different perspectives on, okay, this is the the thing that works for me personally, um, whether it's galleries or not. Um, so I wanted to know for you personally, of course, what has been the most lucrative approach that you've taken to sell your work? Has it been just galleries? Has it been Instagram or other social media? What what combination do you think has been the best for you? I think all of it. Hmm. All of it. Don't, don't put yourself in a box. Yeah. So... Galleries is somebody else's business and, uh, you know, you're taking a chance that they are going to put you in front of their collectors. Some of the problems today that I see with, I think in the 90s or turn of the 21st century, you know, they, they were really good before the whole social media thing. And um, I think since social media came out, uh, as a business owner myself, I kind of can feel for, uh, you know, with social media, artists are able to sell on their own right now, but of course they have to find the collectors. That's very difficult to do. I've done it and I have uh, done, you know, in the past year, I do have those collectors that have seen my work through Instagram. And so that's why I focus on Instagram or I read about them and then I went to an event that they were at and I didn't say anything to them. I just got to know them. 
And, uh, you know, I became, I guess, very extroverted as I got older. Uh, I was more introverted when I was younger. And then after gymnastics, I, I would say in my 30s, I started to come into my own. And then in my 40s, now I was selling. And so I found that you have to get along with people. You have to network by just becoming their friend. You have to build relationships. That's what business is all about. Build relationships, whether it's with a gallery, with a collector, uh, on Instagram. You know, uh, some people just want people to like their work and follow them, but they never comment or like your work. There, there's a lot of people like that. So it's got to be reciprocal. You have to build relationships. It doesn't matter how many followers that person has. So I try to do that. Um, I try to build relationships with some galleries. Uh, I felt like I wasn't ready because I wanted to find my voice. Now I am. So that's why I went with uh, Dasha when uh, Lee asked me to do a solo show. I said, ah, I'm out of inventory. I only have one painting left. Uh, uh, and I sold most of those on my own. But I do want to be in a gallery too because I think uh, both can be lucrative. Uh if I am in a gallery and I'm assigned to a gallery, um, if I have a collector that goes to the gallery, you know, I always get the gallery 50%. I don't undercut a gallery. I think that's wrong to do. Somebody uh, asked me, you don't uh, take 50% of your price. I go, no, absolutely not. I do exactly what my gallery would do. If, my gal if it wasn't seen in my gallery and it's my client and I'm not represented by a gallery, I'm just a guest artist, I can sell my work on my own. There is no contract, right? Mm -hmm. So I do give them, I start with 10% and, you know, I won't give more than, uh, you know, some galleries that have asked me, can you go 20%? But I pad it enough so that I feel like if I'm going to give up 50%, that I'm still making money, especially if I have to ship it. So you got it. It's very hard to do your homework, find the right gallery and the right gallerist that really believes in you that wants to sell your work. Well, you know what? I don't think everybody's trying to figure out the um, the landscape mm -hmm. and how to render that landscape for their business. Yeah. And um, and and it's all good. I I totally get it. Like social media changed everything, so they're trying to figure it out. You're trying to figure it out. I think being with the gallery, uh, being my mother was a business owner. Uh, I'm a business owner. You know, if I had a staff, I would want them to be loyal to me. Absolutely. They absolutely have the right. I'm definitely pro-gallery. Mm -hmm. uh, but you have to pick the right one that works for you. But there are some excellent galleries out there that uh, have artists for a long time. Uh, and they have artists for a long time and they always give them a solo show and they do quite well with them. And those are the ones that you want to strive to be in. That's the struggle of artists, whether they're younger or older. You can be older and breaking into the business. There's no such thing as age. Age is just the number. Mm -hmm. You know, you can develop work and be quite good at 80 years old. You don't have to start when you're five. It all depends on the time you put in. You have to look at me. I went on the hamster wheel and I, I'm trying to catch up. And I think mm -hmm. I'm there. I caught up. Uh, to a certain extent, I wish I had 40 more years in this. Maybe I do. I don't know. But I, I think you have to try all of it and see what works the best. But I think having a uh, a lot of 
different venues to try out is good. A friend of mine, uh, Francine Craig is a friend of mine. And, you know, she's done AI. Uh, I don't have any problem with that as long as they're not saying it. it it's a painting. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. they should have their own venue and be able to sell their work, their artists too. Uh, but I tend to like traditional work. And she goes into auctions. And I said, oh, really? She said, oh, it's a low price point. I said, well, maybe I could do studies that are like six by nine or eight by 10, like Realism Live. I put this little small five by five inch painting in their auction because I was part of the faculty this year and it sold. And I've had it for a, a few years now. You know, I'm like, oh, why didn't I think of doing that? You know, so you never know. You gotta try everything. If that doesn't work, try something else. Put that painting somewhere. Maybe it'll hit that collector base, right? Yeah. Gotta give it a whirl. I always say, gotta give it a try. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, you got to try all the avenues that you can, especially as an artist. You know, it's good to have you know income coming in from different directions, especially because you you know since you are the producer of your own work. Uh, there are times when maybe like you don't have any more work, right? You just did a, a show. Maybe you sold all the pieces and now, okay, you're good on money, but now you have to build up that collection again. So maybe you need, you know, maybe you teach some workshops, maybe you sell some prints, maybe like there are so many options, um, which I love that you mentioned, you know, especially gallery etiquette. Um, that is so important uh, to learn. Um but yeah, I also wanted to know if you have any upcoming shows or exhibitions that you'd like to talk about. Yeah, so I, um, Bohemian Spirits at Dashi Gallery is up through November 18th. And I have a show, uh, I was between names, I didn't know, but I finally told the director, I said it's called Metamorphosis. And the reason why I chose that name, and it's the name of a painting I just sold, but it resonates with me because it's like transitioning and uh, we morph from one thing into another. So in this show, I've done some musicians from the Jersey Shore down here that are female artists. They're pretty well known. And I have a few of those paintings. And uh, she said, I would love to give you a solo show at Monmouth University in the Pollock Theater. Now the Pollock Theater is where all the concerts happen. And they have a little hall, a, a, a big hallway that leads to it in the theater. So I'm on the walls that lead into the concert hall, uh, the stage, right, in the theater. And of course, we still see Nash, uh, Van Morrison. All of these shows go on. And some of these women have played, a lot of them have played there. And they're amazing artists. Uh, they're professionals. But they're just like us. They're going out on tour. They're they're trying everything because people stream today, and it's much harder. They're not selling albums, so they have to go on tour because that's a way to make money aside from session playing, right? And uh, so the director said, "I love. Do you still have this painting and that painting?" I said, "Yeah, I do. I keep it just in case. So I need to have twenty five paintings, but I can use the work that I already have to put in the show." And I'll be painting four more paintings by February. I got one week break. Oh my! And God. so I need to. But I'm going to paint them smaller. I already have the photo shoots done, and because I knew that this was going to be on my to do list, I shot them the same time I was shooting for my solo shot. Wow! Same day, right? So I'm like, okay, today ten hours is just shooting. 
and getting them and getting the idea and com uh, compose them. On all my downtime, I already have the compositions in the computer ready to go on the canvas. I did that over the summer, uh, a couple of days where I gave myself downtime. You figure out ways like today I'm a little tired to paint. I need a break, but let me sit behind the computer and do this. So you change like maybe what you wrote down, you're going to do that day and you change your production schedule uh, so that you say, oh, you know, next year, you don't wait to the last minute. You're already thinking way ahead of the game. You have to think that way or you get yourself in trouble and you get burned out. So I have them ready to go. I just have one more photo shoot to do in December uh, and then compose, you know, come up with the composition. And I aim to have all four done smaller. They'll be maybe 16 by 20 by um, by February. They might even be smaller so that I'm not killing myself with a 20 by 30 or a 24 by 36. You strategize, how do I execute this? So that show is coming up middle of March. Uh, I think uh, Women's History Month mm -hmm. to May. The opening is April 26th, and I'll send out invites to anybody that lives around the Jersey Shore or in the Tri-State area. If they'd like to come to that, it'll be good. The reason why it's going to be good is all those women that are in my show, they're going to do a concert right after the exhibit reception. So from 6 to 8 is the reception. From 8.15 to whenever is the concert. We're trying to get a scholarship fund started for women artists only, whether they're visual artists, performing artists, musicians, because they can't afford to go to school at Monmouth University. So we'll know, I think, by next week if the board approves of a scholarship fund. It's a little tricky uh, to get it approved of, so I'm hoping that they can do that because that would be amazing. She first, when she mentioned it, she said it was doable, but now she has to run it uh, by the board. So if that happens, that would be amazing because I feel very strong that, oh, you had a lot of money. I'm still paying off my student loan, uh, not having my parents pay it off for me or my husband that, that makes a lot of money pay it off for me. I've always paid my own way, my own car, my own everything. And it's not easy. It's very difficult. But I think it builds character and it makes mm -hmm. you problem solve. How do I get out of this one? Yeah, that's very mm -hmm. true. But that's so exciting. And oh my gosh, so much work. Oh, that's incredible. It's a lot of work. And, you know, I started a, uh, uh, I started up my art mentorship program. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to put it in for workshops uh, in Scottsdale. Uh, I have a workshop coming up in the spring, Painting Hair. That's a Zoom online. I need to put that up on my website, which is www.nancyfrancevaz.com. You could also see current things on my Instagram, Nancy France Vaz. All of the social media platforms is my name, Nancy France Vaz. Keep it really simple, really easy for people to find me. And look under workshops and you'll see the mentorship program. And that's one-on-one. -on -one. It's personalized and customized for what you want to learn on any level that you are beginning to advance. Beautiful. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. Well, thank you so much, Nancy, for giving us some of your precious time. Uh, again, you're so busy and I'm so grateful to have you. Oh, you're welcome. And so nice to meet you finally. You too. Yeah. After so many months well, of corresponding. Have a happy Thanksgiving and a uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate.
Uh, and I hope to see you in the new year. Yeah. And thanks for asking me to come on. Of course. Yes. And I might ask you again in the future. <laughs> Definitely do one. Peace yeah. out. Peace. Thank you.